You're listening to DraftKings Network. Shana, that was a veteran move right there, putting the avocado in the peach mango salsa. I like, I might whip that up tonight, but. Um, it's so good. It's like salsa mole. You mix them together. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode nine of the Too Many Men podcast. I'm Allison Lucan. Joining me, as always, is Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi. We're <laughs> really mixing it up here. <laughs> and as always, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you? I'm fantastic, as always, in my own living room. Um, how are you? <laughs> well, hanging out at home, just, you know. Quarantine, quarantining, quarantine. That's all we got. (laughs) (laughs) It's all there is. Podcast is over. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's get to it. We have have stuff to talk about because we are forever creative people and thinkers and doing creative things in these times. Uh, We start, as always, with our shit list update. Companies and organizations who inevitably choose to do the wrong thing in the face of crisis. And Shana, you're up. Well, first, we have a team and a company that's been on our list, I think, every single week since we started this, and that would be the Buffalo Sabres. Um, Hooray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was it, it was last week they announced salary reductions, um, more layoffs, furloughs. And um, I think it affected thousands of employees. Uh, recently, there was a story in The Athletic by, was it John Bogle or Tim Graham? Who did Tim it? Graham, I think. Tim oh. did it. Okay. Um, and it, it uh, was a Q&A with the pool, so it gave more insight into what's going on. But I think everything that they've done to this point has pretty much, or at least 95% of it, has been the wrong thing to do. And it's disappointing to see for such like an influential company that has the resources to take care of things. And I, you know, I think most hope they'd be among those leading the way and they've done the polar opposite. Did you see, um, did you see the culture story that Tim did as well? Which where, is that? Yeah, where, it, it, where it noted, oh, yeah. it noted that everyone's losing their jobs. And then there was a line that said the Pagulas have had to stop construction on their ultra yacht oh no how tragic <laughs> you know what? and this sucks for me because i loved terry pagula because of he brought Penn yes State hockey. yes he his multi almost 20 million dollar donation um it made pagula ice arena and that's the best ice arena in college hockey by far i mean you could argue absolutely no. you could argue mariachi but it's just the most pristine and he just invested so much in that. And then to see him do this when, and he even gave people jobs. Like he gave, um, what's his name? He scored the first goal in Pagula and then now he works for Terry Pagula. But um, just to see this happening, like it's so disappointing knowing that they have the money and knowing I was rooting for them. It's like the Tyra Banks, America's Next Top Model. We were all rooting for them. Like, what are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shana, who else? We cut you off. 
Um, oh, just with the Pagulas, I want to add, uh, I was surprised and I was rooting for them too after everything they did with the Buffalo Buttes and the NWHL, yeah. you know, they, they really elevated that franchise and, and did things for the players to make it feel like they're professional team or professional players and everything that you want to see for a women's hockey team. So I figured they'd do the right thing. Disappointed that they didn't. Um, more for the shit list. The, the Chicago Tribune announced uh, furloughs for employees but what was interesting about it was it's for employees who are in a certain pay bracket and it seems like it's the employees who are paid a bit less so they have the option to leave the company and receive severance instead but they're furloughing the employees who already are on the bottom of the food chain money-wise instead of reducing maybe the salaries of those who are higher up in the company who can afford to not afford but better handle it and um another one and this is a big one, and they have probably been on the shit list for a very, very, very long time, but this is the first time we're talking about it, is the WWE. Oh, um, terrible. Yeah. This is like, the WWE, it's been, you know, controversial for years with Vince McMahon and how he runs things and how he treats his employees and the money going out and how they handle, you know, even in event things from storylines to characters and uh who wins what you know it's 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 been talked about for years how they handle things which is why other competing leagues come out and some of them do well like currently it's AEW who's competing against them because they try to do the opposite of what WWE does so they informed employees of uh major cuts across the board and cut numerous wrestlers but it came out I think a few days after that that, that they announced this that they did indeed have the money to do it Vince McMahon certainly did, and instead money was going to his pocket instead of paying his employees. And the other part of it was how they're handling uh, recording events during this break. Oh, because, it's terrible. Yeah, so Florida deemed wrestling, you know, an essential business. So <laughs> because they did. Oh God, what a sentence! Thank you, Florida. Like, geez. Um, they originally they were doing pre-recorded content and you could see that even for their pay-per-views, you know, they were able to do things that they normally couldn't do live with more special effects and, you know, things like that with the sets. Um, both AEW and WWE were rolling out pre-recorded content. And you could see as it was getting thinner, you know, they were having to add in more things with things recorded from home and, you know, blurbs in the middle to stretch it out. You know, everyone's trying to do the best that they could, but they were doing it at empty arenas with fewer uh, people on staff to handle it, you know, fewer commentators and things like that, you know, to keep as few people in the building as possible. But it seems now that WWE is actually going to start recording live again, or if not live, they're just going to do it each week. And then, you know, when it airs, it airs. Uh, but that'll require flying people in each week to do it, which is kind of the opposite of what everyone should be doing now. You know, you're sending people back home, they could be exposed to whatever, then travel back, maybe be exposed to whatever, go into very close quarters while you're wrestling another person after you've potentially been exposed. And, you know, there just seems like there's so many issues that could go wrong here. And now with Georgia lifting restrictions, <sighs> uh, they may be looking, I, I saw that maybe AEW will start filming there. And, uh, We'll see where it goes. You know, I, I guess if you can quarantine your athletes, let's say for two weeks or three weeks, and then film a week's worth of things while everyone's still quarantined together, and you know, you feel that you're limiting exposure that way, it's it's definitely tough to do. But I would guess it's doable if you have the resources. Um, you could create content for weeks to come, 
maybe that is the better method if you feel that you must continue doing this, but to fly people in each week or whatever the plan would be, you know, that I've seen reported for WWE just sounds fucking terrible. Sarah, your thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing with this virus is that it's not, it doesn't care who you are. And I mean, people say it's an equalizer and that's not true because you see now that um, poor people and uh, minorities are getting the, the, um, death toll is higher because they're discriminated against and not taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what they're doing, but it has to do with how they're treated, which is a problem, has been a problem from day one of America. But anyway, um, athletes, I'm saying, like they aren't immune to this disease. And it's like, you saw that with Rudy Gobert, the second that happened, it's like, it doesn't care who you are, you could get it. And then you're putting everybody in danger. And it's not even about the athletes who would get care and would, probably be fine. It's about like all the other people that they'd have to come in contact with. That doesn't sit right with me at all. I, I yeah. mean, and the trickle down of this too, like yeah. if, if Georgia also is an example. So if, if your job is officially quote unquote declared essential, which again, I can't with wrestling being an essential job, but <laughs> yeah. like, if your job is declared- it's not even real. <laughs> Like, and, and you're so close with someone else while you're doing it. There's no avoiding that. If you're, if you're, you know, refing or you're competing in it, you're on top of each other. You should not be doing that. No one wants to even shake hands, let alone throw your bodies on top of each other. But like, if your job is declared essential, you can't, like, that trickles down and that you can't, there are limitations in terms of can you file for unemployment? Because technically your job is there. It's your choice not to be working. They've even said like in Georgia, in Atlanta, people are nervous if their job is declared essential and they choose not to open out of personal safety and employee safety concerns, what's to keep their landlord from saying you're an essential business, you should be able to pay rent. So like the trickle down of these ass backwards, completely ridiculous decisions is is. In, in many ways, so much worse than just quarantining until we can get to a place that it is, in fact, safe to open yep. actual, real, essential things open. It's literally dystopian. It really is. It's Hunger Games style, like legit. Yeah. <sighs> Any other thoughts on our shit list? Sarah, <laughs> uh, did you have something to add to it? Oh, yeah. Um, well, the Buffalo Newspaper Guild um, – as members of the Buffalo media are being furloughed, um, are not protesting, but standing in solidarity with their, uh, they're not tweeting and they're using a um, profile image, whatever it's called, to remind people to, um, what is it? I'm reading it now. Um, subscribe to the Buffalo, this is Lance Lysowski, shout out to him. He was my former colleague at DK Pittsburgh Sports. You might have heard of it. He is an incredible writer and now he covers the Sabres and um, he's on furlough for the next week and he encouraged people to subscribe to um, the Buffalo news and it's like really going to help out members that are getting furloughed. So if you're looking to help people in that position, I think subscribing to some of the the companies to help them works, but you got to know like which ones definitely mm-hmm. Buffalo news. Awesome. 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 Well, in other awesome news, enough with our our shit posting verbally. Um, there was some good news, and I hope a ton of people watched. But on Friday, the WNBA held their draft virtually, 
And we were all just talking about just, it was so cool. And of course, women figured out how to say, we're in a crazy ass time. We can't do things the way that we've always wanted to or have done them. And they came up with so many creative ways to make the draft still really, like they sent every player a box of like every possible team hat and and gear and swag. So like that way when they were picked by whatever team, they could put some gear on. Like it was just super cool. So we thought that we would offer our thoughts <laughs> on how the NHL could make their, we presume, virtual upcoming virtual draft more exciting than it has always been. Any thoughts first? What did you guys like about the WNBA draft? Was there anything that stood out to you before we tell the NHL how they can do it better? <laughs> I, I want to say that um, my girl who covers the WNBA for the Athletic, Lindsay D. Arcangelo, mm-hmm. reported that um, the two, 200, oh my God, I can't even talk or read anymore. 2020 <laughs> WNBA draft presented by State Farm on ESPN, we're doing our ad reads already, was the most watched WNBA draft in 16 years and the second most watched in ESPN's history. It was... It averaged 387,000 viewers up 123% over last year. So they were clearly doing something right. And did you see the, the first overall pick? I can't say her name properly. Her jersey sold out in hours. Yep. yep. Hours. Sabrina UNESCO. Like, Thank you. I, I think I saw something say that she's sold out, you know, jerseys everywhere each year that she's played. And, you know, it makes sense. She's absolutely positively fantastic. And Beast. Yeah, I, I, you know, I am very casual when it comes to watching basketball. Just like I had a hard time getting into it, but over the last like year or so, I've really tried to make like a concentrated effort to do so. And I would see so much about her game that I found myself, you know, reading about college basketball, which I would never do normally, just because she was so skilled. So to see it was sold out immediately, it was interesting to me because you think that they'd be a little bit more prepared for it, and I. It was also interesting, you know, it's only one version of the jersey that they were selling. They didn't have t-shirts. It was just one jersey. Um, It didn't look like it had her number on it. I think it was number one to show that she was the first overall pick when, you know, I would assume she'd wear the number 20, which is I believe is available on the Liberty Liberty for her to wear. Um, But they sold out immediately and then they, you know, brought more back in so you could, you know, you had the option to buy more and and then you could pre-order it through the net store because they'll be playing with the Nets at Barclays this year in black, which seemed to be like their official jersey, which is, you know, it's double the price and whatever, but it has the numbers and, you know, I, I guess has more differences between that and the Fanatics version that they originally had up for sale. So it was impressive to me that it sold out so quickly. It wasn't super surprising to me that it did. What was disappointing and unsurprising was that no one was prepared for that because if you ask anyone, there's no interest in women's sports. And I think that very clearly showed, yeah, there is. The right there, there is. If a player was drafted and within minutes, her jersey's gone because people want it so quickly. You're stupid and like <laughs> economic- <laughs> you. you're economic- economically stupid if you don't think people care about women's sports. Like you're an idiot because people care and women care about sports. Like that it's, yep. if it's you show hard. them, they will, people will watch them. And that draft elucidated that. And also she's sick. She's one of the best basketball players of all time. I cannot wait to watch her pro career. It's going to yeah, be so I'm, awesome. I'm excited. So, so awesome. Okay, so what can the NHL do since uh, they probably could use some ideas for doing anything virtually such as this? I loved like 
the draft kits they sent to players. I think definitely doing that would be really neat. Like to have all the top, and it'd be a lot of players when you think about it, and they'd have to start shipping it soon to get overseas and such. But I think sending each player something in advance would be very, very cool. Um, yeah. What, what else? Especially could- those, those you anticipate going in the first round in, in particular, you know? Totally. You can, you can always FaceTime in and do things like that, and obviously they'll make use of that. But to have the kits, that would definitely help. Sarah's going to get them all on, on Insta. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what can we do to make the NHL draft good? Um, Take notes of what the women did. Watch yeah. it, study it, breathe it, love it, and copy it because they're smarter than you. They handled it already with, let's be real, WNBA does not have the same resources as the NHL. They handled it and did it really well, even though, and I don't mean like, you want to thank ESPN, not thank ESPN because fuck that. They did the wrong thing originally. ESPN wasn't going to put it on regular ESPN despite there not being anything going on because that was their decision. For God. Uh, but so they they were shamed enough to put it on ESPN. Uh, and I think that's great because it deserved the coverage. But and, you know, they made best of the situation with their virtual um, interviews and so on and so forth. But they did keep cutting away from things. And I was kind of like, just extend the broadcast for a little bit longer so you can include everything instead of speeding through it or not showing all the pics and things like that because you're trying to show other things. Like it was kind of like focus on what's going on. You have nothing but time. You could have gone till 10 o'clock and would have been fine instead of trying to like cram it into this two-hour block. I just think that, you know, that was my biggest knock of it. So don't do that, NHL, please. (laughs) Shane is, Shane is like alternating between this was awesome and they fucking suck. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not, you want to like commend someone for doing the right thing. But on the other hand, you're like, you shouldn't be commended for doing the bare fucking minimum for women's sports for three seconds. Like pat yourself on the back, just make it regular, do that normal. And then there's nothing to commend about it. It's just normal because that's how it should be treated. <laughs> Oh, no. I, I, I hope I, this was I, one of I, the I, first steps just because like it was exposed people to it, but we'll see. It would be cool too if like, I wonder, so like for people who haven't been at, at an NHL draft, like a player gets drafted and then if they're there, they go back into this press room and they, there's like, what is it, Sarah, like seven or eight different stations and like a player gets assigned to a station and reporters can yeah, go talk. Can yeah. But I wonder if you could execute it almost better in a way via like a zoom like seriously so like one one it's like essentially like one uh i i can't even think of the words no like uh, you'd have like you'd have like eight different zooms eight different breakouts okay and they'd publish yeah. like they do at the draft like so-and-so's in room one so-and-so's in room two in a way i wonder if it'd be better that like be yeah it could be potentially yeah, yeah I think like there's a potential, like, since no one's talking over each other. And, well, you know what? No, I'm in because there's no goddamn cameras <laughs> in my face. Yes. It's so true. Every draft should be virtual. Um, that's the presidential platform I'm running on now. <laughs> no cameras in my face. I can ask a question that isn't just, are you excited to join the team? <laughs> and I, you know what else they could, if they really opened it up, because like when players, like particularly the top picks when they're drafted and you see the segments later, but like there's camera crews following players like 
from the minute they get drafted and then they go to a room where the NHL has them tie, sign like a crap load of stuff and they take their you know official rookie pictures that we all see where they're dorkily holding their stick like pointed at the camera and like but you could like show that real time too like you could have so much more content by not getting caught up in producing it the same old way it's always been produced like yeah that could be really interesting to me that's a good like it. I'm going to miss the drama of the draft so much. Oh, my God. Like, I remember I had caught wind that the Hurricanes were interested in Chase Prisky at the time. And I ran down to, like, the press area and found Craig Custance. And I was like, should I tweet this? And he was like, yeah. It was just like everything was so dramatic. You're, like, running around from the draft floor. I'm going to miss the drama. But I'll just run around my living room. I wonder. calling Craig. I wonder if like um, the one thing I don't like with the draft is like sometimes you see a player doesn't go as early as they're presumed to go and like they're constantly flashing the camera on there like putting pressure on them like I, I just want the players sometimes to have their space for 30 seconds because they're going through all the emotions right there and you're like let's fix a camera on there and then you know the entire world is going to talk so much shit about their reactions on what's going on and you know how they're but, processing it. Like, but that's the thing you can't because they're not all going to be sitting exactly. in the same area. Exactly. That I like. That, and like you, I mean, the the league probably wouldn't like this, but you could tell players like be filming and then send us the clip. Like don't be live streaming necessarily. Like it would give the players some control over what does get seen and what doesn't get seen. That would be interesting. Yeah. The league That's would true. hate it, but it would be very yeah. interesting. If they were like, if they were like, they wanted some organic reactions to it, you know, like you could see it with the WNBA draft. There were, you know, they were flashing the camera on – well, not flashing the camera on, that's like the wrong thing to say, but they were showing, you know, the feed from a player's house and you could see their reaction when they were getting drafted and you could still see their whole family cheering and everything like that. Like I get wanting to see that, but I think the rest of it, they could do a little bit better. So whatever. And uh, the other thing is like, I wonder if it'd be a little bit quicker because obviously every GM is on the clock and that's that, but you don't have to spend as much time like walking up and then Oh, that. Awesome. Yeah, it, someone's random daughter like oh. giving them that. I'm like, what is going on here? No offense, but like, <laughs> it's like random family of the owner. I'm like, okay, like that's great. Yeah, until they walk up there, and then the GMs have to walk up there, and that entire table does, and so does the player, and then you have to take pictures, and you have to do this. Like, there's so many things that go into the first round. So it's like I do wonder if it'll like streamline the process a little bit that maybe more fans will be willing to tune in because they don't think it's going to take a thousand hours to get through one round. Well, and that's what you could like. You could make the pick and then the other stuff could be happening in a different frame. Like you could like it'd be really super cool if you could have technology like I want to follow these three teams on draft day. So like if they go to the picture room, your feed switches to the picture room. And then uh, if their player ooh. goes to interview room, your your feed switches to interview room. Or like, like I'm, there's got to be some way you could do that. But yeah, that I'm would not. definitely giving your ideas away for free. That's just <laughs> awesome idea. Yeah, if, if you take Allison's ideas, you will be first on the shit list, and we'll repeat it every single week. Give her credit. <laughs> hashtag TMM material. Hashtag sponsored <laughs> by Allison again. Ooh, well, too many men's going to be sponsoring something soon. We haven't mm-hmm. talked about that. Oh, often. yeah. Um, everybody clear your schedules for this upcoming Saturday because we are going to be doing a Flip Cup tournament for charity. And there will be details to come on that for sure once I figure it out. It would be so cool. <laughs> Yay! Yes, I'm very excited. Don't ever forget it. 
Live it, love it. That's a fun idea. I love it. So great. And I loved how people were like, but no, I'm better at this. And Sarah's like, no, I am better at flip cups. So that's <laughs> that's why I'm curating this. Hello, people. So another thing that we've really loved that's been happening um, around the league is every team has been doing, and the league has done some of these too, is replaying classic games. And Carolina just started their their Stanley Cup run last night. Is that right, Sarah? They sure did. And it's been hilarious. Like I have seen some of the games, but I had not seen game one of the 2006 Stanley Cup final. And wow, was I in for an experience. Like I can't <laughs> wait to talk to Rod Bindemore again and be like, I can't believe you did that. Like that was some crazy, that was a crazy game. And you, and you're getting, you get to do special stuff around the replays. How, what's going on there? Yeah. And the hurricanes have been awesome with what they're doing and what they've let me do for it. Like I'm, I'm putting together kind of like a retrospective of that game seven and that, um, sorry, I just got a message. Okay. That game seven and that kind of team. And, um, so I've been catching up with some people from that team and just the stories they're telling me and they're hilarious. They're just like, you just tell how special of a group that was. And like, I can't wait to share with people that are Canes fans and people that aren't Canes fans, just about like the behind the scenes of that a little bit. And I, I know Rousseau and Burnside are weighing in because they covered the series and John and Tripp and it'll be a great time. But I also love what the Hurricanes have been doing with like having John and Tripp on FaceTime during the games. And they're kind of like giving analysis and like we're all live tweeting and we're just trying to feel like a little normal for a few days. That's awesome. I love too. Was it the, who did it first? Was it the Nationals and baseball? They brought together their championship winning team to rewatch and they aired yeah. it and the Bruins are doing it Friday. Is that right? I think. I believe I so. Think that was one hell of a team. That's going to be, yeah. that's, and I mean, that's the stuff people love, right? And like, yeah. that, that'll be super, super, super cool. I think to watch. I love that idea. I'm happy sports are stealing that one from one another. Yeah, seriously. It's better than the simulated NHL games. <laughs> but I did yeah. love Amanda Stein um, doing the post-game interviews, and she's like, wow, you got 10 goals this game. Wow, you let up 180 shots. Like, the goalies are getting pretty mad at you now. Like, that was hilarious. <laughs> but, what were you going to say, Shana? I think, yeah, the, the simulations, I see why they're doing them. I just don't have as much interest in it. But um, I, I definitely like the idea of bringing back the team. And I think it's also cool that it's not that many years removed from it. For, you know, like the Bruins, for example, it's not 30 years later, let's relive it. It's a couple years later, so many of you are still in the league and you've learned and progressed in your career. And you could talk about just how much you've changed your game in, you know, eight years right there and nine years. And that's something that I think so many fans would be interested in too. Or, if the player switch teams or something like that, like it brings back all these different memories that you have. And um, I, I like the classic games. I feel like I'm not one that will like generally sit there and like fully rewatch an old game. Like it'll it's background noise, you know, you put it on the summer and that's nice and whatever. Um, but these, you have nothing better to do. So you're sitting around watching it. Like <laughs> why not? We on a Friday night, they had uh, Rangers devils game seven from 1994, which I've seen a million replays of. And, I've watched it through a couple times, but you know, now at this point I'll see it and it's in the background. You like pop your head up here and there, but here we are on a Friday night. We ended up like sitting down and watching it. And one of my friends is a very casual fan and he never saw it. So it was like something interesting just to, you know, compare how the game was played then. I like, and uh, who did it where they went back to an old series and was doing analysis on it and tracking games. Is that Corey? 
he they did um uh, uh Team USA, didn't they? Wasn't that a Team USA team? Oh, that was yeah. with Chris Peters from ESPN. That was an awesome. Oh, no. Didn't didn't he also do one for oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Playoff game? Yeah, he just wrote it up on his blog, but I haven't read it yet. But he did do that. That's right. Yeah, I like He's that. Too. Blog. Um, and like I will say too, so they replayed because it was just the one year anniversary of the Blue Jackets sweep of Tampa. They replayed that, and even having like covered it, which meant I was sober. Like there was stuff that I didn't remember from the series, so I did enjoy watching. The games back for that reason like there was stuff where i was like wait what that and it so i i enjoyed that aspect of it too because you there's so, that was so crazy like you forget all these little details of how things went down yeah yeah i, I went back i was watching 2014 the rangers eastern conference final against montreal and that was they only played the games that they won because it was on msg and it made sense whatever <laughs> but like that was before i I think I don't think I ever wrote about hockey then. I took like sports classes. I was graduating college then. I n- was purely a fan, and I liked numbers then a little bit. But obviously, it was much different. You know, it was only like starting to see what was available then versus what what is now. And like, you know, you're watching these games and these players, and you have such different opinions of them now. And how you would watch a game is so differently now that it was it, it, like I felt like my perspective. For as much as it's the same, it's so different to watch it back. And that was like, you know, I actually sat down and was watching those games. And it's weird, like, you know, when you actually take the time to do it and go back and you see the different players, how few are left. I think with the Rangers in Montreal, it's like three or four players are left each on each team and that's it. And like, you don't realize it until you actually sit down and watch it to see like how much it's changed. I know, right? And speaking of what was then and what is now... Uh, Shana and I, it, hopefully you'll check these out, are doing some stories. We've been able to, you suddenly find yourself wondering about things that you wouldn't or have time to wonder about if the season was still going. But um, we are doing a couple articles at the coaches site comparing what a team looks like before and after a coaching change. So I just did Toronto and Shana, who, who, what's, what's coming next? Vegas. Vegas is coming later this week, which I mean, for me, is an interesting one because I think when Galan got fired, so many of us were surprised that that's what you know Vegas was doing at the time. It seemed like, oh, they just had bad luck. So it'll be fun to really have the time to now dig in and compare and see did they get better or worse, what areas, what changed, like what you do with Toronto. That was a really fascinating. I'm very interested in that. Um, when they hired Dubois, I think I made a joke on – sorry. If, oh, my God. Okay, I think um, – I made a joke on Twitter that was like Pete DeBoer's interview. And it was like, well, I didn't give up um, four goal, a four-minute penalty and um, a goal to lose the cap. And they're like, okay, you're hired. But one of the um, – I'm not going to say who, but somebody in the Vegas Golden Knights um, front office came up to me during a Canes uh, Golden Knights game like right after and was like, hey, I really like your tweets. I was like, oh, my Ooh. God. <laughs> <laughs> He's serious. But – um. I, maybe he has a good sense of humor, but I am so interested in that. So I can't wait to read that. There's always those moments when you're like, oh shit, I completely forget that people read these words that I'm just randomly yeah. typing. <laughs> like, oh no, this is a disaster. And that one is <laughs> it's like the same division. Obviously the Sharks and Golden Knights don't like each other. Like with Toronto, like you did it. You have the Maple Leafs who brought up a coach who everyone's been talking about for the, like the last few years at this point going like, when's his shot at the NHL? You know, what's going to happen? And, Everything, it's how does it affect the Leafs? And now you're like, well, actually, let's break it down. How did this affect the Leafs? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> well, we're bringing back our, our one of our favorite segments, superlatives, um, because it's we're just masochists and we like to talk about things that can't actually really happen right now, which is like players getting to work out like they're used to, us getting to work out if we wanted to. We're all just eating pizza and watching Netflix and drinking alcohol. But in honor of, of this slow descent into madness, um, our superlative for this week is the most fit player either on the team you cover or in the league. Shana, who's your pick? For the Rangers, I would say it's Panarin. He's, I think he's only five foot eleven, but he's so strong, and I don't think people recognize just how fit and strong he is. And you watch him play, and people try to battle the puck away from him. And it's not only that he's so smart, quick, and evasive that he can get away from you or make you look stupid if you try to do anything to him. It's that he actually seems like he's so dense that it's that hard to battle anything away from him. You're um, dense. Yeah. <laughs> what nice yeah, you can, like if someone is, I mean, I would use the word dense because like, you know, Matt Zuccarello, he's very short, obviously. He's what, 5'7", but he's so strong, it, he's dense. That's the scientific term. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Someone's going to yell at me and be like, I can't believe you fucking called him dense. Like, yeah, I did. I'm going to stand When I look it. at him, I'm like, I definitely see what you're talking about, though. Like, he's a yeah. meaty, dense, dense person. A meaty, dense person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you don't look at him and think, like, you might not look at him and be like, oh, wow, he's jacked. Oh, but but he's so strong, you just probably don't recognize it because, like, he doesn't have, like, a massive frame. Um, for someone that you can tell is super jacked and strong around the league, I would point to Michael Grabner, who uh, is both incredibly fast and incredibly strong, and he is showing his workouts, you know, not just during this break, but he has for a while. He's super active on social media. So you can see like what he does too. And, you know, like it's been interesting to see like he, if I remember correctly, when he joined the Rangers, uh, replicated uh, Chris Kreider jumping out of the pool, which now oh, that yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Kreider definitely could have been my pick for the Rangers too, you know, super fit right there. But um, he probably is the most fit on the Rangers. I'm not sure. Well, now I rethink everything. But uh, the two of them were doing that. It just shows like how strong they are. Sarah? Oh my God. Um, are you guys serious? Dano Chara is the most fit person in the league. <laughs> <laughs> the videos, I don't know if you've seen them, but of him working out in like a Slovakian gymnasium. It's like there's boxing, there's like gymnastics. Like I don't even know what's going on there, but he makes out these workouts that I think he learned from his dad. And he's just, he's an absolute beast of a human being. Like I don't know if I've ever seen someone that tall that is also that proportionate like and that just dense he could lift a car I don't even know I think he but he's so gentle at the same time I don't know I I love him but I I uh, think he's the most fit person in the league for sure and I think now he's eats like TB12 so we'll see what that does for him for longevity but it takes it says a lot when you can still hang at his age and not only hang but like make the Stanley Cup final so I think He's the most fit. And then on the Canes, um, it has to be Andrei Svechnikov. I mean, he's always in the gym. I think that he – I mean, Williams crushed the bike test when he returned, and he kind of had to, or people were going to roast him. But he – Svechnikov is definitely somebody that like cares a lot about fitness and will work out with Rodman Demore. I think – 
two people come to my mind when I think about just extremely fit. Um, and the first is Sergei Bobrovsky because he's just like a madman about his workouts and like the demands of being a goaltender, I think are totally insane and like the flexibility that they have to have. And he like does all this stuff, like, and he has his own team of people that he works with, which is just madness. Um, I also want to give a shout out while not in the NHL. Have you guys seen the videos of Kendall Coyne Schofield working out? Oh my God. I watched no, I that one last night when she squatted with her husband on her back. I I thought at first, you know, the challenge people have been doing where they um, try to like move around their partner's body without like touching the ground? Yes. I feel like I just thought that's so weird. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but I thought that's where they were going with it. And then to see her start doing, you know, he started to do squats. Like it's nothing with her on her back. And then I was like, no, no way. And she manages that. that that's super impressive. Yes. And he was like in the NHL, I mean the NFL. Yeah, he's a linesman in the NFL. Like, <laughs> and if you if you haven't seen this, go check it out. It's – there. Kendall Coyne Schofield squats her husband. He's easily got to be 300 pounds. Like, and, and not in a bad, like, he's just a huge, massive football player. Like, it's insane. Insane. Um, and the most fit blue jacket. That's hard. I might say, I might say Pierre-Luc Dubois. Just because he is also uh, very, very... He's got a lot of muscle mass and he's such a big guy and he's played extremely strong this year. So I think he really did a lot of work to get stronger that way. Also uh, yes. is a compliment. Oh, sorry. Fit is a compliment on Love Island. And doesn't he watch that? Like you're so oh, fit. Does. That means that you're very like attractive. <laughs> Are we watching what's it called? Too Hot to Handle. Oh my God. I started it last night and I absolutely died. I'm like, my quarantine motivation is to get hot enough to <laughs> join the show whenever it comes back because I have not been motivated to work out at all and I've been eating bad. But now that I saw this, I'm like, what I need to do in life is to get on the show. <laughs> I yeah, it, it's, in, it's in my queue. And Shana, you have to finish Love is Blind first. Yeah, yeah, I should speed through that. I have so much knitting to do this weekend, so I should like just sit there and do. Yes, please. And it's very important. Yeah, I'll I'll try to catch up on both. I I was contemplating whether or not to even start that, and I'm like, do I do I really want to? And yes, yeah, I mean, what else am I going to do? Yes, the answer is yes. Right, Sarah? She needs to watch Love Is Blind. You have to. No, 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 no the other one. Too hot to handle. That's okay. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. But so get through them and in 2 weeks we will discuss we will break down too hot to handle that will be our two, okay. 2 weeks from now so you have a, a little bit of a cushion okay i'm still like going through the first two episodes like i'm on episode 2 yeah me too me too okay perfect Excellent. i'm going to start it all right so in 2 weeks we'll have we'll have tons to discuss um Moving into our fuck Mary kill of course we have one hockey cuz again we can still find stuff to talk about with hockey Fuck Mary Kill, Sarah, you're first. Just for you. Here's your fuck Mary Kill. Starting goalie, backup goalie, e-bug. I'm gonna marry a backup goalie because they're always ready to go. They <laughs> are patient. They I look so cute sitting there with their little hats on and they're huge. There was like a meme going around of like, this is what uh, backup goalies look like. And it's like a 
there with a tiny head and like a huge body. And (laughs) that is exactly how I feel about them. They um, manage, usually manage to get the job done and they're like a huge, they're team players and they're a huge part of cup teams. Usually when you like look back on that, like you can't win a cup without a good backup goalie generally, in my opinion. So I'll marry them. I'll fuck an emergency backup goalie because they're not here for a long time, but they're sure as hell here for a good time. And I will kill starting goalies because I can't figure them out. <laughs> Shayna. This is a hard one. And now your answer, Sarah, have me like think like really rethinking it. Damn. Cause I was like, Oh, I, I, you could fuck a starting goalie. That's fun. Just to be like, you did, but like, yeah, maybe, Maybe that is the wrong way to go. I like the idea of marrying the backup goalie. For one, I feel like you have to have a good attitude to to, to be partnered with another goaltender and to, you know, you're like their, I don't want to say like their therapist after a game, but like you're the one that like can boost their confidence and be like, oh, it's okay. You know what? You had no shot on those shots or, oh, they didn't record this. right. Like there's so many ways, you know, that they can like talk things through. And I like that. So yeah, and they they have to work their asses off to constantly prove themselves, and I think that's like yeah. a nice a nice thing to to have about a person. So I'll marry them. But I, I like the idea of the emergency goalie. I mean, that's like a one hit wonder, and in like so many senses of the word, like that's what you want. It's like you did it. You want to like they're, they're there for a good time, like you said. That's that's a really good call. I'm gonna go with that. Okay, I am I am also gonna go with. Fuck the eat bug because Sarah just killed it with her definition. Um, I'm gonna marry the starting goalie. I don't care. It's it's the starting goalie. And I know that's where, that's where, that's where I'm going. You think of some starting goalies, you're like, yeah, I'd marry them. <laughs> and, and I mean, if if it was Hank, come on now. Um, yeah. And that means we have to unfortunately kill the poor backup goalie. But you know, if on some teams you wouldn't even notice. So that's what I'll go with. <laughs> Okay, Shana, you got you got the next one. Fuck Mary Kill. This is very mm-hmm. important. No blueberry donuts are involved. However, it is a food take. Queso, okay. queso, guac, salsa. Okay. I'm marrying guac. It's my favorite. It's fresh. It's good. You can like mix it up and like experiment with it to try different things in it. I love it. I, I could eat that happily every single day. Marrying that. Um, I really do like salsa and I really like queso. But for me, like, I've had a harder time finding a queso like I genuinely like. And I feel like for as many options as you do have to, like, mix it up, you are limited to something that it, it's like cheese and it doesn't last as long. And eh, I'll kill that. You're I'm killing queso. That. I'm going to kill queso. I'm pickier with that. That I feel like it, it could go wrong so much easier. Okay. Salsa I like. And I love the variety of options that you can have. You can have something that's like hot with corn or, you know, something fruitier, like, like a peach mango salsa, something like that. Or um, you can even like put avocado in salsa and it's really good. It's like a good mix. So I'll fuck that. But guac's still top tier, so I'm marrying it. Sarah Sivian. <laughs> Shana, that was a veteran move right there, putting the avocado in the peach mango salsa. I like – I might <laughs> – whip that up tonight but um it's so good it's like salsa mole you mix them together nice (laughs) okay well i'm marrying guac because i think i eat an entire avocado every goddamn day of my life 
healthy fats, people, healthy fats, they're so good for you. They taste so good um, with so many different things. Like you just need an avocado and a steak or an avocado and some chicken and you're good to go. And I'm obsessed with avocados and guac. So say no more. Um, I will marry. Oh, wait, no, I already said that. I will fuck the salsa because you know what? I'm coming around to it. Um, in my youth, in my youth, back in the day, um, <laughs> PC before quarantine, um, I did you didn't just really like PC before quarantine. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really like spicy food, but like I'll try anything to feel alive now. So <laughs> I like mango salsa. I do like spicy food now. I'm changed, and I I'm here for it. And I will kill queso because I'm lactose intolerant. Yes, I will also marry guac. It is elite. It is top tier, as Shana said. Um, I a good queso is excellent, but it's as I think Shana, you said this too. It's much harder to find an excellent queso than it is to find a, a quality salsa. So yeah. I will, I will fuck the salsa and kill the queso. All right, we have one last one. Very relevant to how we spend our time these days. Shana Goldman, you are up first. Fuck, Mary kill. Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok? Um, hmm. I'm going to marry Instagram. I, I like pictures and videos because a lot of people like me will post dogs and things like that constantly. And that interests me more than anything else. Um, I like that you have the option to like, you can put a picture up and it's, it's there to stay. Or you can just, you know, put something up for 24 hours. It's quick, whatever. And it's super easy to use other apps like TikTok on Instagram. So I'll marry that. Um, hmm. All right. Because I'm so bored in quarantine, I'm going to fuck TikTok because it's fun. There's, there's so many things going on. And like at first I didn't download it because I just saw it like on Instagram stories. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Let me like go. And it's so much fun. There's so many things going on. And like, I am not someone that's probably ever going to record a TikTok dance because I'm the most awkward dancer alive. Um, but like, I like just like having something to do. It's it, you can waste so much time on there. So especially for quarantine times, have to fuck that. And um, Twitter, I'm going to kill because like 95% of the time I open Twitter, I regret doing it because there's so many there's stupid people everywhere and there's stupid people spewing their takes everywhere but you just open twitter sometimes and i feel like my brain is melting on my ear and there's there's so much frustration <laughs> just looking at twitter and then you'll post something god fucking forbid you decide god to forbid post you post oh no you used your twitter to say words and it's like here well actually let me tell you how wrong you are and shit on you for the next fucking day and a half uh. at you about some garbage like get the fuck out of here go on tiktok go spend your time on tiktok you need some happiness and you're not getting it on twitter like i gotta kill it <laughs> i hear you girl sarah's ready with the follow-up take him down sarah I, first of all, I totally feel you on that. Even yesterday, I was thinking about it because I posted like, oh my God, like it was the pictures of what airplanes could look like. And I'm like, I'm so sad about like how, what we're going to have to do when this ends. Like I love hugging people. And someone responded like, I hope you don't hug people on airplanes. Like that's not what I was talking about. And like, we don't need to like, who cares cares if you do, if you hugged a person on an airplane. Oh no, (laughs) you hugged a person on an airplane. The world is ending. Yeah, and it's 
not even like that was an offensive or bad thing to say at all. It's just that it's like I'm sick of every single syllable that I utter or dare to think like being ripped apart for the sake of being pedantic. So I'm killing Twitter, but we'll get to that later. Um, I'm marrying TikTok because it's been awesome to see like totally sincerely how cool and funny these teens are like I love the teens in this generation they have this morbid sense of humor that perfectly aligns with what they've gone through in their lives like as American teens like if you think about what they've gone through in their short lives it's like it's crazy and they're so funny about it like they are gonna all be hilarious in when they grow up and I've loved that and they make me laugh (laughs) so them and then I'm going to I could spend hours on TikTok, honestly. I fall asleep watching it. I'm addicted to it right now. But I will fuck Instagram because my friend Bridget always calls it a dating app. And it like it honestly is in some aspects. Like I many a DM slide has been fruitful for me in my pursuit yeah. of not being alone forever. But who knows what ha- will happen now. But I I like Instagram more than any dating app. And I and also you can filter your messages so you never have to see what like random people are saying. And you just, it's like very easy in a way that it's like, it doesn't show up next to anything or below anything that you said, it, right? Like it's, you have to click a whole ass button to see what random people are saying. So I never click that button and I never, I never feel bad. And all my friends from like school and shit have Instagram. So it's better to like connect with them. That's the app I use to probably connect with people. And then, yeah, I'm going to kill Twitter because the stupid shit I say on it gets me in trouble every other week. Like I stand to live without that. So, <laughs> Like seriously, like I've put, I've put out more tweets in the last week where I've just said something. People are like, well, actually, yes. And here I'm like, I fucking know. I'm aware. <laughs> no, I know. That's why I said it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Like, just stop. People don't even realize that they're being harmful when they do that. And it's not even harmful, I guess, but it's just like, I know. Like, why are you – make your own tweet about it. Like, I know. (laughs) It's like, can we talk about – this is the other phenomenon that blows my mind. Like, and I do quote tweet a lot. So I'm not saying the act of quote tweeting is bad, but like – you take something and you literally quote tweet it and say the exact same thing that the original tweet said. Oh yeah. Yep. I, like, that's I'm like what are you doing? Yeah, what that, are you doing? That's super common um, when you post like any video of a play. Like I'll I'll post it and someone will either quote tweet it, tweet it or respond to it, breaking down what happened. But it's not like they're doing it in a way to like give their own take. A lot of the times it feels like they're trying to tell me what happened in the play. Because I don't in the caption because one, I want to get it out quickly. Two, you don't need all the words. And three, something that like I learned, I don't always like to put a super long caption in there because I know people want to use them in their stories. Because I used to have it where the editor I used couldn't play any video. So you would embed a tweet and it was the easiest way. So you don't want to like spew a whole thing. Like it's not necessary sometimes. Like sometimes if something quickly like comes to mind, I'm like, ah, there you go. Most of the time it's not. And someone will be like, let me let me quote tweet or respond to you and tell you everything that just happened in the play because you're such an eight with your girl brain that you don't know it. Like, please, fuck you. My, yeah. my favorite move is when you tweet out a GIF and like particularly and you have a team or both teams hashtags in it and someone quote tweets it with the team hashtag. I'm like, it's literally in the tweet. 
<laughs> or they'll tell you you're biased if you use both too, or if you use like oh. I'll use just the one. Uh, if I rem- if I remember right, it was the Vegas Sharks series last year, and I was trying to use the hashtags as much as possible because it felt like it made it easier for like organizational purposes if anyone was looking for a play. And I try to think of those things. Um, and I guess I think something happened like the Sharks did it or vice versa. And a fan like was like responding to me like super mad that I used it and was saying I'm like a huge fan of that team. And I was kind of like, oh my God. No, I don't I don't even cover one of those teams. Like oh, if I, I did and they were like, you're a fan of them, but I don't even cover them. And then they started like messaging me to yell at me about it. And I'm like, I used a goddamn hashtag. I'm just trying to be organized. And if you look at a tweet four seconds before that of a play from the opposite team, I'm using their hashtag too. It's not my fault. It says like go sharks go in it or something. I didn't fucking It's always it. so stupid like that. It's like best team ever hashtag my favorite team, the yeah, sharks. Like, that's all their hashtags. <laughs> well, and then there's like my other favorite too is when people like you put up a play and this happened to me. What was the big hit? Was it game was it game six of the final last year in Boston? And one of the blues took a bad hit. And I put out a gif of the hit. Again, don't cover either of the teams not covering the final. Yep. And like people are arguing with me about the call. I'm like, not an official, not covering the game, sharing a gif. Like, yep. and they're arguing, it should have been a better penalty. Dude, I have literally negative influence on yeah. anything happening in like this arena right now. Who you? They yell at you. It's not, it's not even like they're yelling about the – I understand if a fan saw the play and is like their player just got hurt, they're angry, they're spewing, whatever. Like, sure. But when – they actually take the time to respond to you to criticize what you wrote about it. Like, you know, you'll write, um, I forget what it was last year. I think it might've been, um, in Kane's capitals. Maybe. I don't remember. I wrote like, this was the play. There was no penalty called on it because everyone thought there was going to be a penalty. And, you know, I thought that was important to specify, not giving an opinion, just giving you facts. And it was like, so many people were like, that's not a penalty. You don't even know the rules, blah, 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 blah. And they were like numerous, like, controversial hits going on and for each one I would say this is the penalty like do I have an opinion on it a fucking course like if there's one that's given a two-minute penalty that I think maybe the player should have been thrown out of the game because it's so damn dirty like yeah I'll put that in a separate tweet typically unless it's like Tom Wilson I feel like he's the one I kind of like blur the lines there and be like oh look he's at it again because of Tom Wilson but like otherwise you try not to because again you want people to be able to use it or have their own opinions but it's not directed at me because i'm telling you that a penalty happened like it should or shouldn't i i didn't make the rules i'm not a ref please i never even played the game you guys let me like guys let me know that constantly i didn't play the game i'm not a ref i don't know what i'm talking about so certainly i'm not the one on the ice telling you what happened yes. you never played the game oh my god nope. i can't do this podcast nope. yep <laughs> no idea what i'm talking about so I'd, so I'd marry TikTok, I think, for it, – it's like – here's the, and here's the thing. The other reason why it's true to marriage is like as much as I love it, like you can tell there's promotional-related reasons why they give you notifications to go look in the app if you have it in a while. So my like infatuation is now turning into, ooh, I'm going to have to live with this shit. So totally marry TikTok, very realistic, um, and it's positive. And I would – here's the thing with Instagram that I do not enjoy, like – it opens this door of opportunity, but then like it prevents you like going, like you can't see if someone's following you back. It's not necessarily time controlled. Like I want more from Instagram and I can't get it. Like it's, it's yeah. like, so I'm going to fuck them. Cause it's like a one night stand that you never see again. Um, and that means I'll, I will also, for all those reasons, have to kill Twitter. Like we both, like you both just said. 
Yeah. Ladies, is there anything we missed? Well, uh, nothing else is happening in the world. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all of you out there, we hope that we gave you something to fill some of the time with since nothing else is happening in the oh, world. And we gave you something to, to take your mind off any stress or frustration or scary stuff that you're dealing with. Um, we hope you all are safe. We hope you all are doing well. Um, please keep continuing to listen, subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you use, follow us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. Keep sharing those pictures of you and your gear. We all just loved um, JC's picture today in her sweatshirt. She was the junior reporter actually for the Blue Jackets game when they yeah. had kids take over and she is amazing. So JC, we love you. Thank you so much. Keep killing, killing it and kicking ass um, and buy our merch. Um, we just, this weekend too, so much positive response from you guys. And we were all just so, it meant so much to the three of us to see, um, your guys support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And keep sending in those superlative nominations and fuck, Mary kill nominations. And we will talk to y'all next week. Everybody take care. Bye guys. Love you.